0: we <laughs>
2: fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing and preview next week. Joining me, I have Richard Eden and Louise Torres. Fellas, how we doing?
3: Good. Thank you. How are you? I've
2: you could probably tell I'm a little under the weather um I actually actually got covid after avoiding it for two years and getting my vaccines I got hit with it and it's it is awful uh but I'm here to, in my in my bubble all by myself um keeping you guys safe
3: yep well we appreciate you coming on tonight so uh, yes sir. We'll, we'll, we'll do the best to uh to, to, to uh, let you uh let you rest up but uh yeah no it should be a good one
1: all right, Louise, how are you, buddy? Been very busy trying to balance the life of racing and photography. All right. Yeah,
2: busy's good. Busy's good. Busy's
1: good. Yeah, busy. Yeah, busy. Yeah, I can say it's yeah, yeah. sort of busy as long as the bills come along. And yeah, this exactly. is true. Yeah. Um. So, uh, formula
2: one off their summer break Indy taking a, a week off after having a, a long stretch going on. The Indy's got gateway coming up. Uh, formula one has until, um, you know, sometime at the end of August till they're back in action. Uh, yep. August 28th, yep, end of the month. So, um, but uh, NASCAR was in action at uh, Richmond, um, little bull ring up there in Richmond. Um, so, uh, Kevin Harvick going back to back after ending a long winless streak. Now he's two in a row peaking at the right time of the season. If he wants to make a run for the a run during the playoffs there, which is, uh, you know, that's why they call this guy, the closure, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, he still only got the one championship to his name, but, um, you know, certainly a little dangerous for those other guys out there that, that Harvick is, uh, found his form, um, at this stage of the game. So, uh,
1: all right, so, Louise, uh, you had a chance to watch the Richmond race? I was able to after I got back from such photography venture. that I got to see pretty much the vital part of the race, which is the final stage where Harvick, of course, won back-to-back. And there's something that be said about Harvick when you talk about being the closer. I think everybody remembers between before he won in Michigan and, of course, last week at Richmond, he had gone 65 races without a win. And if people were wondering, will Harvick win again? Did 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 what happened in Martinsville twenty twenty really affect his career? It seems like it did for a brief period of time, to where he admitted that the way he goes out and performs, it's just not enough in this day and age where you got to be on it when it matters most. And how many times? And and there's a while back on Twitter, somebody said, "There's no other driver that has been." Compromises in some eyes screwed over by the playoff system more than Kevin Harvick. I'd like to attest as Jeff Gordon, but as far as active drivers is concerned, as Harvick, when you look at it, Harvick, has had strong seasons. Look like back in 2010 at RCR, he was a championship threat. He was probably the, more, the top drive, pound for pound, the top driver that year.
0: Some yeah, will say John Some say Hamlin. For,
2: yeah,
1: I was going to say you can make a case for Denny Hamlin as well,
2: but I think Harvick's probably been. The, you know the the wrong end of the stick more often than
1: Hamlin. Oh yeah, and there's some cases you can make that Harvick has. Like 2015, he was su- He had a strong title defense. He was right up there, but of course, you had Kyle-, Kyle Busch ended up being the one winning it all. Even yeah, the 11 races, I still stand up. Kyle Busch probably was the third or fourth best driver of the year, despite the fact that he missed those amount of races. And then in 2020, he and Hamlin were having like a historic season where in any. If any other format back in the day, he those two would have been fighting for the championship to the absolute bitter end. But Harvick didn't make the championship four. He made one less ditch effort to take out Kyle Bush to assure himself it didn't work out for him at all to the point that Bush did a 360 and lost nothing. Whereas Harvick couldn't lost everything. And then he went a whole year without winning. And this season it looked like it was going to be more of the same, but he was doing all right. Not too terrible. But Stuart Haas was just flat out struggling for the most part. They just could not get there to win. And now Harbig, he found the mojo, he found the motivation that's been lacking as of late. And then it buys the people, but the four car has been quietly fine. It's just the matter of if and when they get back to Victory how and they're gonna be and they're peaking at the right time. Sure, Harvick is not gonna be fighting it's not gonna be regular season champion, but Harvick could really be a threat for that champ for that coveted title of which I would not doubt that he'll be in the mix. And it's kind of similar to Scott Dixon in IndyCar, where people were kind of riding him off, and then finally got that win after a long drought, and then sinks are starting to click. Yeah, it seems like we see that a lot when a driver has a
2: long drought, and you start to wonder, are they ever going to win again? Is this guy truly washed up? But 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 the great ones will you know like Harvick and like you mentioned Scott Dixon last week will you know pop right pop right back in there at the right time um, and get the job done. But uh, back to your point about the uh, you know the playoff format one, I, I really feel like this is what you know NASCAR wanted to emulate. You know when they went from the chase to the playoff is something similar to other stick and ball sports where, you know, throughout the playoff, we have, um, uh, you know, uh, upsets, you know, where you have top, you know, just like watching the, the the men's basketball tournaments, you have these upsets with these top seeds getting eliminated early, you know, and, and the Cinderella stories, you know, like you could say, you know, Logano was a bit of a Cinderella story. Or Kyle Bush when he had missed 11 races. You know, you got those uh, sort of things there. So, and the format's been around long enough that I don't think you could say that um, Harvick is getting screwed by the format because the format is what it is. And the guys <laughs> yeah. that are winning it are playing by the rules. So, I mean, now, now, you, you, yeah, you could say in the past, says, in, yeah, in, the, just in, in the past, Harvick and Hamlin. It's like, it's like that weird guy on Facebook that goes and says, Oh, this is the. 1993 late model series if we use formula
1: 1 points.
0: Oh god, yeah.
2: You know what I mean? That's oh, got, um, a, not, every, every that guy so I'm not I'm not happy about
1: that. And here's why I'm not happy. yeah, Johnson so got more points than 07, so that may be superior. <laughs> it's like
2: wow. Yeah, yeah, so but i but the format is what it is. Uh it, for hmm. now, you know, until they decide to tweak it again, uh which I could maybe see if we have um you know, winners getting eliminated uh, that they may put another tweak in there, or they may not. I mean, I think 16 guys is plenty for the playoffs, because it used to be, what, 12? It used to. Be, it went from 10 to 12, yeah, it except for the one year to, it was 13. It used to be just 10, yeah, so now you're up to 16, where you have the elimination. And I like the elimination rounds, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm still not sold on the championship race where it comes down to who finished highest of the four cars, but then again, it emulates stick-a-ball sports where you know, it comes down to the last two teams, and whoever wins the game, or the series of seven games, in the case of it being baseball. So, so it comes yeah. to the last, comes to down to the last four guys, and whoever wins wins it all. And that's kind of what they're looking to emulate, and that's that's what they've got. Some people really hate it, other people enjoy it, but you, you got to say that. You know, NASCAR uh, TV ratings and attendance is back up on the rise after a bit of a decline for a bit. So, uh, Louise um, and Rich, you guys talk about this a little bit. I actually have to take a phone call.
1: Yeah, when it comes to <laughs> ratings, they're doing they're doing not too bad. They're kind of on the par with Raw when it comes to viewerships and all that. Maybe a little bit higher than I give it credit to. I forget what Raw beat. I think, oh, yeah, Raw beat Better Paul South series finale ratings wise, but that's not, now I remember. But when we talked about Hamlin and Harvick for as far as this quote unquote screwed. Yeah, they were in the, yeah, the deceased, the, the they, the season C- they didn't win the championship, they were the strongest. Look, you, as Frank mentioned about Logano, that was the year where it was all the big three, the big three, Truex, Harvick, and Kyle Bush. I guess who, who won the war? Logano, mm-hmm. where he took the stunning upset and kind of, it kind of, had or Truex had to eat crow for it because he didn't win the war and he finished second. in champion got passed by Lagano, with won like 15 laps before 10 to go. And then, as far as Harvick, he admitted after the Richmond race that he made a gear shifting mistake that probably would have cost him dearly. Had to, because Bell was there. Bell, yeah. we talked about yeah, 12 laps fresher tires. He was trying to probably do the. It, what Hamlin he did something similar in the spring, but when Hamlin did it, he was able to pull it off. I think it was a Logano and William Byron were in that mix late in the going as the sun was rising, going down. Whereas Bell, he was flying. He just had to do. He just had a little hard time going through lap traffic with like Austin Cindric, Ty Dillon, and Michael McDowell. No. But he was there. He just ran. He yeah. just lost time with that lap traffic and. and and here's another guy that has kind of stepped up his game quite a bit. It's Christopher Bell since that win in Loud, and he's been getting more top fives than, outs than the, as of late than some can say.
3: Yeah, it's just no, he's, he's picked up. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to to touch on, um, you know, coming out of the NASCAR world is, is is looking. But you know, we talk about ratings and we talk about. Um, the popularity of NASCAR and all this sort of stuff. But I was reading a report this week where the, the charter, which is this the system that's been around for probably five, six, seven years now, I guess, where teams can buy a charter or own a charter which guarantees entry into races. And there's things. it's thirty charters available in total, Louise, maybe a little bit more, I'm not sure. It's
1: it's it just keeps increasing and increasing, and that's the same guys like Dale Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt that the want that like to go to cup racing, but they just don't well, see. Well, this is the, the point. Yeah,
3: yeah. They don't you see know, the return the, on investment. Well, this is this is partly this is the point I wanted to make, really. You know, it was. I, I understand what they were trying to do, NASCAR, and of course, it was all the all, all the team owners voted for it because it suddenly made them. I think the, when the first came out, the original price was eight million dollars for a charter. So all of these team owners, especially with multiple cars. You know, Rick Hendrick made, what, $32 million overnight uh, just by creating an $8 million charter per car. It's good work if you can get it. Um, But now the the, the reported value of these charters is up to $20 million a charter um, with, with some teams, 2311 potentially being one of them and Trackhouse potentially being another, looking to buy an extra charter. And there's three or four teams, Starcom being one of them, um, you know, looking to, to sell their existing charters. So it's, uh, you know, the money is starting to flow around NASCAR on the business side again. And I think we're going to start to see NASCAR evolve into the similar sort of platform that IndyCar is trying to take right now, which is, and, and Frank and myself, we discussed it on the show, and you know, Louise, we talked about this in the past, how IndyCar has become what we call this business-to-business platform. You know, if you look at the IndyCar field, there's not many commercial sponsors, and when I'm not talking commercial, I'm talking like Verizon is obviously in there. Yeah, you're talking um, about there's yeah. there's
2: very few direct to consumer advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, or and you and, can buy it. And, and yeah, NASCAR's going the same route with these yeah. things like Exalta and, and and these sort of business yeah. to business deals.
1: Yeah, yeah, world, worldwide WWE TX like the technologies with crack house. Yeah, and, and these you
3: look at, you know, sports. I've got actually in, in, in front of me here a couple of sort of die-cast cars from when I was working for RCR. And you look at who's on those cars now. You've got WeatherTech and you've got Granger. Well, you know, neither of those are involved in sponsoring NASCAR, and, in NASCAR anymore. And they were both consumer brands, whereas, you know, now the three cars predominantly Dow, um, who, you know, oh, I'm going to go and buy some Dow chemicals today. Well, nobody says that. You know, so I think they're going to go in that direction as well. And I think that's where the, the, the market's going to be. But, yeah, there's still going to be the the big brands and the big manufacturers that have, um, you know, the commercial product. Um, but I think more and more you're going to see um, I mean, even FedEx on, on Denny Hamlin's car. You know, very few people use FedEx to, from a payment standpoint. I, you know, they'll receive FedEx packages, but unless you're a commercial company, very few individuals will go to a FedEx store and ship a package on a regular basis, you know, and everybody knows who FedEx and UPS are. So you don't need to sponsor a NASCAR team to, to, to get your name out there. Um,
2: yes. But you might want to use a NASCAR event to bring a bunch of potential clients exactly.
3: out to, out exactly.
2: to a thing. And that's what, that's what a lot of these uh, sponsors are too. Like, yep. I mean, remember Penske had Fitz, Fitzgerald um, glider kits, right? Yep. Well, yeah. they, they make, uh, you know, commercial trucks. And what does Penske have other than race yeah, teams yeah, the yeah, car yeah. dealerships? The rental truck tr- 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 line. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a, you know, a, a business-to-business, certainly right there. And then, of course, Arrow Electronics. They don't sell to the consumer, but they sell to the companies that build stuff for consumers. And they utilize car Racing as a avenue to market their technology and, again, to... Entertain potential clients, so it's just it's just a changing business model. We're not selling cigarettes and beer, no. and uh, and if you recall, good old days. if you recall, when they used to call the Bush uh, Bush series, they used to call it the uh, the grocery store series because you know you had the Kleenex car and the and the Tide car and the you know everything and the Oreo yeah, the co- days Ore, Oreo the cookies. Bush series and, had some of the finest schemes ever. Oh yeah, yeah. Just look at the you know the grocery store series; they were all you know but now internet advertising has made it so much easier for consumer products to reach out directly to their target audience without slapping their name on a race car and it's more effective
1: yeah it's like the days of lance snacks and all that jazz is kind of fading away like you're lucky to have kroger still putting money into a racing and into sport i think we're going to see a lot more now remember worldwide Express technologies—that's what WWE Tech is for—for for that team, and they're one. They're stepping up to the plate, apparently, coming up in the foreseeable future. I can't say exactly who who will impact who this will impact team-wise yet, though. But it'll impact a couple teams as far as investments are concerned. But uh, yeah, those days. Yeah, that the, all, the only are other, gone.
2: the only other kind of interesting newer things coming up are like the uh, the the Bitcoin deals, which I think mm-hmm. that that's a market that's gonna. Eventually self destruct, um, uh, but mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got some of those. At, off already. Yeah, I was gonna say, you've got yeah. so, some of those out there, then you've got I, the um, I have no the, um, for T- it. THC companies and the uh, uh you know, that the that's one of uh, what Ross Chestnut sponsor, the 3M3 um, F- or is that 3KI? Three, um,
1: three uh, that's Tyler Reddick,
2: the Tyler, Tyler Reddick, yeah, and, and that's yeah, yeah. and they're uh, THC or whatever they make edibles or what you know, legal marijuana. Yeah. That's that's still that's legal in racing and some of the. i'm surprised we don't have more of the vapor companies because they were on a couple of the indy cars for a while um you know we had the yeah, mystic car and the blue car the only one we have now is the views views which is on the mclaren but uh, those are you know still legal to sponsor for race cars but uh yeah and Even as far as it is yeah, and it's, yeah, and radio advertising too. There's this guy locally here. He's got his his ads are on like every couple of minutes. He's like one eight hundred magic dot com. That's how he says it. But but I digress. I'll have to use that for our uh, vape podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're off to Watkins Glen.
1: Correct. Yes, yeah. it's by far probably the most anticipated. Cup race in the regular season, not named Daytona. It is yeah. because of the because you got I don't know you got a world champion, you got a Le Mans winner, you got a litany of international drivers. There will be seven of them, including the United States. Thirty three out of the thirty nine drivers from the states, and then you have six other countries, including one Finn driver named Kimi Raikkonen. You might have heard about that guy. He won the world championship. Still to this day, the last man to bring Ferrari to the world title.
2: Yep, yep. Kimmy Ryan in, in the cup series. We got Danny Kavia in that race. Um, yeah, yep. so this is the first time we've had people from seven different countries uh in the race. And um, and again, Watkins Glen is one of my favorite tracks. It's the it's the seminal home of road racing in the United States. Um, you know, and you won't convince me otherwise. Uh, and it's always it's always a good show. Um, and the cup guys the cup guys get around there quite well compared to some of the other um you know, road courses and rovals that they kind of fumble around. Uh, Watkins Glen, they've been going there long enough. A lot of these guys are really good at it. So, uh, uh, and I'll tell you who I like because he needs a win. And,
3: and I like Martin Truex.
1: Yeah, it's not well, that- Tired as a
3: struggle that road courses there this year, haven't
1: they? Yeah, they haven't been on par as much, but who knows if they'll get it together and turn it around this time. But we had to wait and find out. A guy that I do like, though, I think if there's one guy that really also needs to get it together and win to really go for fear, pure chaos, there's a thing called here in Northwest Chaos, but we're going to call it here Chaos Racing. Because if Michael McDowell were to pull it off, or even Chris Busher, or as we like to call him now, Christopher Busher, <laughs> that's the thing going around social media, and technically it's not wrong. Those Fords those Ford duel had a strong showing as Sonoma. Michael McDowell has always had strong showings on road course. It's just we haven't seen him capitalize on a race versus side, I feel like the Ford camp could really turn up and really go full chaos, much to the chagrin of Blaney a true So if I had to narrowly pick, I'm going with McDowell on this one over Busher.
2: All right, and Richard, you're gonna abstain.
3: Yeah. Since well, since, maybe, oh, you, since you
2: you already poo pooed my pick, so well I'll tell <laughs>
3: well, I, 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 trust me, I hope that's not the case, but uh
2: Yeah, yeah I like to know. see I like to see us get uh, get to that sixteenth winner though. You know, you know who else I think will do well in this run here? Awesome Cindric. So, he's uh, yeah, he's you always can, he's, you can he's never pretty, cut him out. Yeah, right? he's pretty sporty on the road courses, so
1: Yeah, and he's got it. yeah, Richmond wasn't necessarily the best of days for him It's as of late. Compared to the other races, but you don't count him out, and of course you got Almondinger. Can never count him out. It's just a matter of that car living up to the living up to the plate. That's the thing with the sixteenth all
2: year. Now, if Almondinger wins, wins that that's good news for either Blaney or Truex,
1: right? Cause, for the drive, yeah. Because Almendinger's
2: going to take a win spot,
1: and that but he won't be eligible for the chase. No, it won't for other the for the playoffs for the six, six. other for the sixteen team because they do punch their way in if that rule still exists, which I think it still does, where driver or the it's owners could team, have different it? yeah. So the sixteen could inadvertently prevent these night the twelve or nineteen team from making it to the owner's playoffs. Of course it that doesn't get publicized, but it's still vital for the owners. Right, right, but but for the, for, for the for, but for the drivers thing, Almond
2: Digger, it even if he wins the race, he's not gonna you're not gonna see him in the exactly in the playoff.
1: Right, right. So,
2: all right. So you said we had some contract extension news. I heard Ryan Blaney was in the news.
1: Yeah, Ryan Blaney sticking around with Team Penske multi year grieving. And on the IndyCar side, you have Elio Castor Davis going to stay with Meyer Shank Racing for a bit, and then Christian Lundgaard of Ray Haller and again it's going to go stay with them for multiple years they extend they expanded the contract deal for what was initially a multi-year deal now it's kind of like multi-year past
0: 2023
2: and i and, and i believe and i believe what they've done with that by extending his contract is they put clauses in there i believe they've put performance clauses in there to prevent an alex palo type situation where if this guy suddenly comes on really strong that they don't they they can't necessarily lock him into a smaller salary a la what uh and and cause him to look elsewhere like um like is doing.
3: I think yeah, uh, I think it's gonna um, be
1: important going forward with that like for teams like we see else elsewhere in sports uh, too.
3: Yeah Boba Wallace has signed an extension with twenty three eleven as well which was all pretty Um, you know pretty 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 well known that he was going yeah, that to was, yeah, confirmed that this week yeah that yeah. was that
2: was expected yeah so you got some some decent guys staying in in decent seats uh, i mean elio I, my god he has been very disappointing this year but um you, you know i, I they, they went into the season knowing there was going to be a rough season um but uh i you know pasino has shown so much more than elio and I don't want to say Elio's lost it because we just talked about uh, these old guys with long streaks where we <laughs> who end up, uh, surprising us again. But, uh, I do believe Elio is still in uh, good shape and good form. He's had some bad luck this year and, you know, they've had some bad luck with strategies and setups and whatnot. So, uh, but, uh, but good for him to keep him in the series. He's one of the more popular guys in the series. Uh, <laughs> Lundgarden's certainly a rising star, um, Ryan Blaney in NASCAR um, fits in well with the Penske organization. Good to see him staying there. So, all right, is that all is that all our contract news? Or do we want to talk about Oscar
1: Piastri's disaster getting worse? That's all from my end as far as what I've heard regarding contract and statutes. There's also a couple of deal announcements where, like, Joe and John Hunter Nimeshek are going to compete at Daytona for Sam Hunt racing with Joe in the 24. It would be Joe's return to NASCAR for the first time in, after a few years. Yeah, how old is he, Joe Nemechek now? He's
2: probably pushing 60.
1: Gotta be pushing 60. But he's kept yeah. himself busy between his the last time he competed in NASCAR with his heavy involvement in Trans Am and historic stock cars and so on. So he's kept himself pretty busy. It's just that he hasn't driven in a few years, that's all. But be interesting to see because Joe, back in the day, when he came to Daytona, he was a threat, especially in qualifying. Time will tell if yeah, the yeah. They used to call him Front
2: Row Joe because he was so good in qualifying.
1: Yeah, and as far as Brandon Brown is concerned, at Xfinity, he's only going to run three out of the next twelve races with, as far possibly, with Chris Wright, who was a Truck Series driver that struck has struggled, is going to be in the sixty eight Xfinity ride for nine of those remaining twelve races because he does bring the sponsorship. The question is, can the sixty-eight car stay out of trouble? That's all. That's all. Yep. Yeah. So,
2: now speaking of staying out of trouble, we got Oscar Piastri. This thing is just getting uglier. <clears throat> As the Pillow one was getting uglier, you know, Alex Pello was, you know, made his attempt to go to McLaren, and then Chip Ganassi decided to, that they were going to sue him. That's all still pending. And now, Alpine has decided they're going to sue Oscar. Mm-hmm. Or return of their investment of training him in their academy. So, Richard, what are your thoughts on this? I know the FAI has a commission to look at these sort of things, but this as a, as a precedent for what other drivers can do in the past. This is kind of kind of an important how they hear this case, right?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's an interesting one because you know you're putting a value on something that doesn't exist. You know, you're putting a value on a on a you know non physical object, um, and so so Alpine's sort of um, line of of um, you know inquiry, if you like, is that uh, you know Piastri has obviously been a long term uh, investment for them, with the aim of getting him into Formula One in 2020. Um, Three, whether that was with uh, Alpine or with another team, and then obviously we saw Fernando jump ship to to Aston Martin, which opened the door for for Piastri. Um, and this has been their, you know, this has been their aim for for a number of years now uh, with him, and you know, they've obviously invested heavily with simulator time, track time, because. I believe he's been taking part in in a number of um, old machinery tests to get him acclimatized to the tracks and the the the, the physical stresses of driving Formula One cars um, you know throughout the year, so he's been building up to this you know, drive with Alpine as they expected and it's you're talking millions of dollars of in investment here um and then suddenly he's turned around and said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to go somewhere else. Uh, that, that leaves a pretty bitter taste in the mouth of, of Alpine, and, and understandably. Now, there are two ways of looking at this. Yes, you can point the finger squarely at Piastri's management group and team and people that you know have advised him to take what we all believe to be the McLaren role. But also, I do think that Alpine has a certain amount of responsibility on their shoulders as well. They know Piastri's contractual status. They know that there was a break in the contract um, or a a time period where Piastri became a free agent. And if they didn't know that, then that's pretty naive of them. And um, they didn't execute in time. Now, whether that was because Alonso you know, suddenly jumped without, um, you know, expectation. Uh, You know, they thought, oh, well, you know, we don't have to make a move on Piastri now. We can just, you know, whatever. They were just sort of treading water on it. And then all of a sudden, you know, Alonso makes his move and they're like, oh, well, we're going to promote him to the team. And oh, crap. Oh, now it's all, you know, timing's all unraveled. Um, And they're, you know, internally looking stupid because somebody dropped the ball on it. And now they're just trying to point fingers publicly. To make themselves not look quite so bad, um, I, I I genuinely don't know. Um,
2: yeah, that was the initial story I heard is that that Alpine actually missed the deadline by a day. Yeah, so now, well, but it, I mean, and, but it, a, a,
3: a day is a day, you know what I mean? Exactly. When so, I mean, you it's... look at uh, you know in NASCAR, JTG uh, last year or two years ago missed renewing their charter by a day and lost their charter. You know, a ten million dollar charter. They oh, now twenty million dollar charter. They gave away for nothing because they missed the deadline. You know, it, it happens. You know, you've got to be on the ball. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Piastri's management team knew exactly what the situation was. And um, you know, as soon as that opportunity opens up at McLaren, which well, what as to say, what we believe to be McLaren, um, they jumped at it. Now, whether that's the right decision for his career to go to a McLaren rather than to stay with Alpine, who knows? But um, yeah, partly it's one of these situations, isn't it, where I think the mentality of these people and the drivers, and and I, I don't want to say, I don't, I don't like using the word in this case because I don't think it's necessarily valid, but the arrogance of the drivers may be a little bit, oh well, they don't value me value me enough because they've let my con, you know, this this contract expire. If they valued me as much as I say they did, they would have sorted this out earlier. So I'm going to go somewhere else that does value me more. I don't know. I'm sure that was what Zach Brown was telling him. But, um, you know, yeah, it's all very smelly. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, Alpine, yeah, Otmar was 100% right in his, his um, statements that, you know, this isn't about a contractual situation. This is about a human being sort of maturity thing. You know, how you treat people in business. Very, very true, Zach. But you were the ones that made the mistake. And are you telling me that in your career, Zach, you've not screwed somebody over in this way? I bet you have.
1: Well, Ricardo. <laughs> well, yeah. Coming up, so who's to say Oliver Askew? But that's whole different animal. Yeah, different ordeal. Animal, James Hinchcliffe.
2: Exactly. Oh yeah. he was struggling. Told mm-hmm. he. He told he had a ride to the last minute.
3: So Exactly. Yeah. So Zach, Zach's no angel in this. Yeah. and Matt's no angel in this. So some
1: people say. But speaking of Hinchcliffe, Sam, Sam Smith as viewed as such as well by some people due to that.
3: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, any team. You, this is the problem you see in this. You know, any team boss or any team owner, they turn around and like, oh, well, you know, look at, you know, what whatever, you know, oh, the they're, they're, um you know driver or team owner or manager or whatever they they've put their you know their, themselves above you know the, the the team and all that sort of stuff. well you know 90 percent of the time the people making those statements have done far worse in their own career to other people so it's it's a bit of a mute topic mute, mute you know mute subjects in my mind you know you, you've got to be a little bit careful with some of these comments and statements that you make
2: yeah absolutely all right so the other big you know some of breaking news is that uh, we've approved engine regulations going forward yeah so we're for what was it twenty twenty six
3: yeah twenty twenty six through to i believe it's twenty thirty
2: all right so and what have you what have you read up on these i see sure we're we're just gonna be a six cylinder we're getting rid of the um, current
3: yes so we're getting rid of the m g u h which is excuse me <coughs> excuse me. I'll be very honest with you, I never realised, I never realised, that's the wrong word, I never understood why those were in there in the first place. Um, They're a very, very complex and expensive uh, component in the car. The concept behind it is that it takes heat from the turbo outlet and regenerates energy using the heat, which is i mean yes it's a technology that is being used in certain circumstances but it's got no place in a One engine it just makes it massively complicated massively expensive um so we're getting rid of that um we're increasing the amount of electric deployment uh, of the hybrid powertrain um up to i think they're almost doubling it uh oh no sorry increasing about 50 percent. i think was the number i saw uh, so three hundred something kilowatts, maybe a little bit more. Now, to put that into context, your your your, um, you know your your, Teslas or whatever, um, you know I don't know the exact number, but they're not going to be far off, um, you know that sort of number. Uh, let me see if we can just find out what a Tesla would be at. Uh, yeah, uh, so it's, it's probably two thirds of what a Tesla can output. Maybe half of what a Tesla can output, and and this is just part of the engine. It's not the complete engine, so it's a pretty, pretty impressive, um, you know, number to get to in such a small, compact package um, to be able to deliver that power. Also, um, cost caps are coming in um, to um, engine manufacturing. Also, um, oh, the, the, the um, production and development of an engine is being cost capped, uh, as opposed to just the the team, which we've already uh, had for a few years now, um, and that's of around 130 million dollars a year, which is still a heck of a lot of money. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it's not an insignificant number, but um, you know, it, it's a start, and it's, it's you know, to, to us it sounds crazy money, but you know, to these guys, it's not really. Um, and a lot of these things that we're talking about here were, were, were key cornerstones and pillars if you like um of Audi coming and all or the the Audi uh, and Porsche group coming on board um you know that the, they certainly wanted the cost caps in place and also the removal of this m g u h um so I think it's uh you know it's a good move you know to to guarantee their interest and I think we'll start to see um Announcements oh. and movements from the Porsche and Audi backed, um, you know, uh, groups in the not too distant future. So,
2: right, and and this is the, the other comp- the other component of the rules is one hundred percent renewable
3: fuels. Yes, I, th- I think yes. that was that was that was made public uh, a while ago. A while back, yeah, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is this is net uh, net zero carbon by twenty thirty, which is you know again to be to be encouraged. I think it's, it's it's a great move and it sets a good precedent and a good example.
2: Yeah, and I think you're going to see a lot more and more of that. Um, IndyCar is going to be using a biofuel next year, developed by Shell. Uh, And then you're going to see more and more of it for your road cars, too. Um, That's just, you know, that's just the wave of the future. And there's not, you know, there's not a a large performance loss. Um, No. You know, using a renewable fuel rather than a fossil fuel.
3: Yeah. The biggest thing that fans see is the noise. That's the biggest thing they will see. And yes, there is this romantic notion of a you know a big thunderous throaty V ten you know blasting through the the the, the forests of of Hockenham and places like that and Spa you know yeah it, it's a phenomenal experience it you know you we we've all been stood near these sort of style of cars when they're uh, doing their business and um, it, it you know you, you can feel it it reverberates around your chest it, it's a it's an amazing sensation um but you know it, it's not as noticeable with these hybrid style cars they've tried like putting like trumpets almost on the exhaust to make the exhaust loud and all that sort of stuff which is a bit silly really but uh you know it's just the way we're going you know you, you listen to a, a tesla drive down the road and it's silent you know um and that's the way it's going you know you 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 can hear deep now you know if you watch Formula 1 race you can hear the cars running over the curbs you could never hear that under on the, on the V10 V8 days so um it's probably going to get quieter as well uh which which is a, a you know Positives and minus you know, plus and minuses to that. But uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, is pluses, pluses for that.
2: all these people that build their houses near racetracks and then complain well, about the noise.
3: Yeah. 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 So But it's but it's it, it's it's growing the what one thing I I I, I see and I think is, is, is quite important here is it, it allows the, the events and the races uh, to go above and beyond just a race. You know, you see it in Formula E and you've seen it in IndyCar a little bit recently. You know, they have the concerts and the shows and the beat. You know, it's an event rather than just a race. And I think, you know, having that sort of um, quieter package does, you know, encourage people to go for, you know, who maybe wouldn't, you know, say there's a headline music festival on the same, you know, in, in the grounds of the track. You know, people that go to that, so i'm going to go watch the race now or, you know they wouldn't necessarily have done that in in the past so it, i think it's good you know it's attracting new audiences
2: oh absolutely yeah so we'll have to see how all that shakes out but again you know that portionality were really instrumental in you know giving their input to the rules package before yeah. they, before they signed on so that's uh, you know get two uh, two more manufacturers well, one more manufacturer with two more brand names two more marks in the sport there. So, uh, and uh, as uh, Michael Andretti continues to be kind of shut out, there were some more comments in the press this week. Um, so yeah. Somebody said something like this. Total Wolf has
3: too much power.
2: And Mario Andretti well, said, I'm, well, I'm glad somebody said it. It needed to be said.
3: So. It is, it is an interesting argument, isn't it? You know, these, yes. these, these team owners, these um owners, They're not, you know, Toto doesn't own Mercedes. Horner doesn't own Red Bull. Team Prince, Managers, Principles, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, they do have, you know, it's interesting to see the, the, you know, the power game that's played. And, um, you know, you look back at, you know, these guys are very, very influential naturally. But, you know, you look back and, uh, you know, remember the fallout from the uh, Abu Dhabi race at the end of last year. You know, it turns out that, um, you know, on the Wednesday night before the race, Toto Wolff was having dinner with Michael Massey. Well... What what would be the outcome if Bill Belichick had uh, had dinner with the Super Bowl, you know, officials the week, you know, two days before the Super Bowl? Mm, I think there'd be some questions asked, wouldn't there?
2: Oh, absolutely,
3: yeah. So, like I say, but this whole, you know, the, these
2: team principals want to lock out new. That's not that's not unique to Formula One either. You know, if uh, no, of course if, not. If, if you know if the NFL wants to add a new team, all the other owners have to vote on that. So. Yeah, yeah, but but I still, honestly, just from where I'm sitting, right, ten teams is light, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again yeah. it's until we have more than ten teams. Twenty car grid is very light. I think a twenty, you should live in the twenty-two to twenty-four uh, range. But uh, you know, but uh, you know, and I
3: think I think to be a FIA sanctioned facility, you have to be able to support twenty-two or twenty-four cars. Um, you know, in your pit in your pit lane, uh, I, Monaco may be the exception because I don't think we've ever raced at Monaco with the new pit complex.
2: Yeah, I want to uh, say, even even times. back in like back in the seventies and eighties, Monaco had uh, they they had an additional pre qualifying because they had fewer pits. Well, the, I, the, I the think maybe was... I think they they're running kind of twenty four to twenty six at a Grand Prix weekend at a time, but I think Monaco was. Really, only started twenty. I think even back then, if I'm not mistaken,
1: yeah, I they mean, were what, able to accommodate twenty six in ninety five before Mo- Simtek folded. Yeah, no. Well, what
3: they sorry, what they used to do at Monaco was um, on your on the start finish line with the old pit lane. You had like three or four garages, which we for, which for you, you 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 know three or four leading manufacturers. The other teams then their garage was actually in the multi story parking lot above the tunnel. So they have to wheel stuff backwards and forwards between temporary garage on the pit lane and a permanent setup garage and you know working on the car garage. Um you know at the other end of the track. So excuse me there. Uh you know, so 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 their their uh, development of the um being you know, new pit lanes was 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 essential.
2: Yeah, that just sounds like a nightmare for the crew.
3: Oh yeah, kept him in this good shape though. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So, all right. So, uh, what other
3: Formula One news we have?
2: I think that about that about caps it out, huh? Yeah. So
1: yeah, uh, because we talked about last time that Logan Sargent is going to have a, a FP1 run at Coda later in the year for Williams.
3: Yeah, there's some talk about. Yeah, you know, I, I did. Where was I reading? I was reading a comment that um, there's actually some doubt as whether he will get that Williams drive for next year. I don't know what the um, alternative is for them to pick up. Um, but I did see them saying, "Oh, you know, America's continuation of of a search for a driver will go on past 2022 or into 2023." So I was like, "Oh, okay." Oh. Who's that going to be then? Um, so it would be interesting. I don't, I don't quite know yet.
1: Yeah, and as far as former F1 drivers is concerned, you had Stoffel Van Dord as your Formula E world champion. Of course, yep. Van Dord was driving for McLaren for a brief period. of time. He was a, at one point a super sub for that organization when Alonso had his... No, not...
3: Yeah, a no, couple Button, of times. Yeah, Button, well, no, but, Button uh, came in Button when, was um, for the 500. Was when Alonso did Indy 500. Van Dorn came in post Alonso's crash in Melbourne uh, when he went yeah. over the back of one of the Caterhams. And uh, yeah, Van Dorn did one race at least in uh, Bahrain and actually scored points that race and uh, finished ahead of Button, uh, which I think was his yeah. debut. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he strange, strange driver. That's the wrong word to say. Um, very, very, very good driver, but just never quite got that opportunity, uh, to to, you know, show what showcase what he was capable of. I guess.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And there's a large chunk of that F Formula E field. We could say the same thing. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Formula E, I did see a stat that said would
2: Van Dorn had won the Formula E with just one race victory. And they were comparing to w- with other world champions with only one race victory. Uh, they mentioned K.K. Rosberg in '82, and I think the other one was way back. Maybe it was like Mike Hawk, Mike Hawthorne, back in the '50s. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. But that's you know, to 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 take a title with just one win is showing a nice level of consistency on his part. And uh, again, you know, the Formula e is doesn't really resonate hugely in this country. Um, in, in as far as prestige, but uh, it certainly resonates with the automakers. Yep. Yep. So Not very much. so. All right. Well, I guess we are just about out of time here.
3: Well, there are two actually, sorry, quickly. There are oh, no two, Go, go right ahead. We,
2: we do have a few minutes.
3: There are two U S based former E teams. So uh, with Dragon Penske and Andretti Autosports. So there's more U S based former E teams than there are formula one teams. This is quite true.
2: Yeah, didn't uh, didn't Marco race the Formula E race for his dad at one point time? Yeah, I thought it, he it did a few. for like the first season they had it. Yeah, so
3: yeah, I don't get a chance to watch Formula E a lot. Um, they so it's, it's sort of they're they're trying to make it something it isn't. I think they have like attack zones in the middle of the uh, race, so you can twice a lap or twice during the race you can. Uh, you know, going or go onto an attack zone and gain a, a boost, then you also have fan boost and all that sort of nonsense. Um, sound but, like you're uh, playing Mario Kart,
2: yep, yeah, yeah a, a little bit. Yeah. You you're uh, you
3: throw out your run over, run, run over, run
2: over a mushroom and get super speed for a little bit, yeah, so, yeah, yep,
3: yeah, almost, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that, uh, way of racing, so they're they're trying to create something that isn't,
2: well, they're trying um, to but, appeal to, uh the younger crowd who's more interested in electric cars and and video games and those sort of things. Uh, I would imagine is what you're doing with that cuz it does kind of sound like it plays out like a video game is the, the things you're describing so got you got appeal for that generation I guess if you know because yeah. that's that's your next because you know, certainly, you know, one of the knocks on current motor racing is that it doesn't appeal to the younger generation with the shorter attention spans and whatnot, which is why NASCAR designed yeah. stage racing and, and these yeah. sort of things. And so, yeah. All right. So, well, we are out of time. So I'll uh, let you guys go. Um, I want to thank Hoobazoo Radio Network. want to thank um, Speaker Google podcast, iTunes and YouTube. I want to thank you Richard and Louise. I want to thank you folks who listen to us week in and week out. Until next week. Well, good night. www.oldazyofall.com. website.
1: enter website.
2: enter website. website.